1: CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Beat Podcast. Day eight of training camp, Alex. Day two of full pads for the Patriots and a rainstorm at Gillette Stadium. And you knew that Bill Belichick was smiling his way through the entire practice to see Ball security, how the quarterbacks handled the ball, how the quarterbacks threw the ball, how the running backs did all those things, and receivers, and so on and so forth. This was a Patriot-like practice in the conditions out there today. As we know in New England, you never know what the weather is going to give you. So the Patriots practice in full pads in a full rainstorm.
0: I told you I wasn't going to make this joke, I'm making it anyways.
1: I was. Well, you're cutting out as right. you do,
0: so it's kind of it, it's kind of killing the point. But go ahead.
1: I was surprised that Mr. Alex Barth, 98.5 guest appearance on Felger and Maz and Toucher and Rich, I had no idea if you were going to show up today. So I appreciate you coming and and still playing with the uh, with the uh, not the cool kids
0: here at at the uh, at the park. No, this is, this is, uh, I'm very happy to be here. I did complete my sports hub career grand slam today. I'd gone on Jones. I, I, I was on Zolek and Bertrand yesterday. And then obviously touched on Richard Felgren-Maz today. And thank you to them for having them on. But I'll tell you this at the end of the uh, Felgren-Maz interview, right? They asked me, all right, which player who's going to make the roster has sucked in camp. And it, fr- it froze me up. I'll be honest. It froze me up. Um, they caught me off guard. I didn't know what to say because that's you know that's not how we generally do things on this show I generally try to right. you know give reason and and all that behind that um we ended up having an inter- interesting discussion about it but uh you know it's good it's good to be back here for sure you're not going to you're not going to surprise me like that I don't think
1: no, I'm not going to no. surprise you like that. We don't, we don't normally come on the pod and say, okay, who sucked? You know what I mean? That's not really, not to pick on Felger and Mads by any means.
0: They do, they do their, they do, stick. They do their show. We do ours. It. And I think, right. I, I think it, that's kind of what, what you got. You can't do the same show that everybody else is doing. That's right, not, right. you know, they're not going to do the same show. We are not that we're competing with them. We're not going to do the same show. They are. Uh, because then you only have to listen to one. We want people to listen to all of it. So if you right. if you we're, want we're, to hear that, if you do want to hear that, 985thsportshub.com, it's up there.
1: There you go. There's a shameless plug. We are a half a glass half full kind of show. So I want to start with the quarterbacks and discuss some of the glass half full stuff. I want to get into the rep discrepancy in a minute, but I want to start with talking about what we saw on the field today from one Mac Jones who put on a show quite frankly, during 11 on 11s in in a downpour, in a rainstorm. He was out there slinging it, really slinging it. There was one point in practice, and we can kind of break down some of these individual throws, and there was one throw in particular I really wanted to highlight where he had three or four what I would call big-time throws in a row right? You know, the, the seam ball to Hunter Henry, uh, the corner route to Christian Wilkerson was a nice throw. He hit Nikhil Harry in stride on a post a skin, like kind of like a skinny poster in breaker. And then Nikhil Harry broke a tackle and ran almost for a touchdown at, at the end of the play. They were actually tackling to the ground live tackling on that particular play. So hitting receivers in stride, throwing with anticipation, great ball placement and zip uh, and velocity. I mean, just, the entire gamut of things that you would want to see if you're waiting i think matt jones had good practices in the past in the first seven practices of camp but if you're waiting for that real pop right that real franchise qb first round qb i shouldn't call him a franchise qe yet first round qb moment Today probably was it, especially given the fact that he was throwing in a downpour, right? Given the conditions, the rainy weather, the fact that he was able to throw through the rain and the rain didn't affect his accuracy at all. That that is a really good sign, especially if you're going to play your games up in Foxborough.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, granted, let me me just say, I I wasn't at that first OTA practice, right? When everybody was like, oh, Mac Jones, like you remember that. And that was, you know, when he arrived, Um, but, and you were there, so correct me if I'm wrong this was the best Mac Jones has been since he got to Foxborough. This was the best day. It's not just that he was making the best throws that he's made. There were times, and I've talked about this the last couple of days, there were times where, you know, he looked like a rookie. Things looked a little too, I don't want to say too big for him, but he was clearly still learning, you know, how things work. The NFL process, the process of an offense at the NFL level. He was in command today. That was his offense. He had the keys. He was driving the car. And that's really what personally what I've been waiting for with him is when was it not just when was he going to make the throws like a like a number one quarterback, but when was he the demeanor? When was he going to look like a number one quarterback? And he even talked about it Uh, after practice. He talked about his confidence is increasing. He talked about finding his voice at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, just in calling out the cadences, having more command, having more confidence when he calls out the cadences. He he didn't just look the part today. He acted the part. It wasn't just, you know, in between snaps. It was during plays, between plays, in the huddle. He carried himself like an NFL quarterback today. That's what I I was waiting for. That's what I think a lot of people are waiting for. I am sure that's what Bill Belichick was waiting for, and that's an exciting development.
1: Right, and I mentioned some of the downfield throws that he had. I think the best throw, and I I had turned around and we were talking about this a little bit in, in the tent out at practice, the best kind of play. It wasn't even that the throw was that good, right? But the best kind of play was the it was the second play of that 13 rep stretch that he had at, towards the end of, the, of practice when they really got into the competitive 11 on 11 portion of practice. And he came to the line of scrimmage, and Jawan Bentley showed him something. I, I I would have to watch the playback on tape to really know exactly what he saw, but he saw something from Jawan Bentley that indicated that Jawan Bentley was going to blitz up the middle on the play. And he tapped his helmet. We've seen Tom Brady do this a, middle time, a million times, right? Alert, alert, right? He goes, yeah. alert, alert, eight. And he points right at eight, and he moves Damian Harris from his left side to his right side. The ball is snapped. Sure thing, here comes DeJuan Bentley. Damian Harris steps right up, picks up the blitz, and he throws to Nikhil Harry on a slant route coming from the other direction in stride. out, Balls out, knows the blitz is coming, throws high, and, and hits the right read, gets the ball out puts it right on Nikhil Harry. And Nikhil Harry, they weren't tackling live in that particular situation, but it was an opportunity, to, again, to, to catch and run with the football if they were. Those are the types of plays where I see him make those types. I knew, and we all knew, as a first-round quarterback, all of these guys can come out in practice and make the throws. Right, like the throw to Christian Wilkerson that I think a lot of people tweeted out was a corner route. It was a really nice kind of drop it in the bucket kind of throw on the sideline. It was a dime, no doubt about it. But most quarterbacks that get drafted in the top fifteen in the NFL draft make can make that throw every once in a while in practice. Right, it's the quarterback play at the line of scrimmage, the pre-snap play of being able to tell that a blitz is coming knowing how to get his protection to pick up that particular blitz and then knowing where his quick answer is out of that blitz to get the ball out hot to Nikhil harry that's high level quarterback play that's the patriots offense that's what this is all about that's what training camp is all about is knowing where those answers are knowing how to point things like that out and that was the moment there where i said it's starting to click for him he's starting to get it and you see that sort of mental sharpness that a lot of people talked about from Alabama and and just in the draft process of him being super pro ready, him handling things at the line of scrimmage. And what I thought was really interesting was on Wednesday after practice, Josh McDaniels talked about Mac being louder at the line of scrimmage and, and kind of be more confident. Right. With his cadences. And then Mac talked about it after practice again on Thursday. Well, that was a clear moment where he was in complete command of every, all the moving parts, right? The protection, the read, the throw, everything. And, and that's exactly what you're looking for.
0: Yeah. And can I, I, I do, I hate to do this. I have to throw some, some water on the fire here. And I know you're normally the wet blanket, but I, I said this after Cam had his big day on Monday, Tuesday, yeah. whatever. So deep in camp, I don't know the days of the week anymore. We are like Mac needed a big day. Don't get me wrong, Mac needed a big day. He had a big day. He was good today. Right. We are so freaking early in this thing. Yeah. And chronologically, we're halfway through. There's going to be about 16 training camp practices. We've had eight, but when you wait, what different practices mean? Just the second padded practice, we're going to have joint practices, which I think will tell us a ton. I'll be honest. I am going to put the majority of the weight on not just a quarterback, every position. When you do the the preseason evaluations, most of my weight is going to be on the joint practices. I actually so,
1: think that Bill Belichick is right okay. there with you, and that's why he, I'm doing that because he, he says that. Yeah, <laughs> he keeps on bringing up the joint practices over and over again. As I, I think that, not to cut you off, sorry, but I think the reason no, no, no. why so,
0: I cut you off enough.
1: <laughs> I think the reason why the joint practices are so important to them is because those are still technically behind closed doors, right? Like you're not, even though there's going to be fans there and even though we're going to be there, there's limits to what we can say about the different schemes that they're running and stuff like that. When you put stuff on tape in a preseason game, the rest of the league can watch that, right? So I think Bill Belichick approaches preseason games because they are on TV as very vanilla, right? We're not going to game plan. We're not going to show any of our real wrinkles in those. Whereas in joint practices, you can probably get away a little bit more with showing some of the things that are going to be, especially if like against the giants and the Eagles who they're not going to play in the regular season this year.
0: Yeah. So it, just to get back to what I was saying, and, and that's why like, that's a great explanation, honestly, of why I'm putting so much weight on that, but you, we've got five or six joint practices left. We've got three preseason games, right? I, you know, Cam Newton. I still believe if we're just talking about week one is going to be the starter. I still believe, There's so much information left we don't have. I I don't, like some people today are saying Mac put himself right next to Cam Newton for that job. I don't know about that. He certainly didn't, I think there was a chance Cam could run away with it before you got to those consequential practices. Because if if Mac can't do it when things aren't consequential, and Cam can, we know that, then how's he going to do it once the lights get brighter? And what Mac did today was say, okay, I'm ready for the next step. But we still have a long way to go. I am not, you know, ready to declare a winner, anything definitive like that. There's still a long way to go. Mac had the day he needed to have for sure, but this was this was step one. A lot of people are acting like this is, you know, here we go. Mac's making his move. He's had more reps. He's turning the corner. This was step one. This was him picking himself up off the mat. And there's still a, a long way to go in this. Very good day. Two good days in a row. I I those joint practices can't get here soon enough.
1: Yeah. So we're going to get to the reps in a second, because I do want to discuss this from a, a couple of different angles. But the, the one thing I want to say about that is that I too am firmly in the camp that thinks that Cam Newton is going to start the season as the quarterback, right? I, I don't right. think that Mac Jones is starting the season as the quarterback unless, and I'm talking about week one starter unless, and I hope this doesn't happen, but unless Cam gets hurt. Right. and the other, That's really the only way that I see them throwing Mac in there right away. What I think what we can take out of today and the positive that we can take out of today is and out of yesterday, I would say, too, and in all, in all the good things that Mac Jones has done is he looks like a quarterback he drafted in the first round. And he, wow. I think, is already probably pretty far ahead of where he should be I, I don't i'm not at bears camp i'm not at niners camp i'm not at jacksonville's training camp so i i don't know what the other uh rookie quarterbacks and the other first round quarterbacks look like i know justin fields has had a really strong camp throwing the football but are those quarterbacks like i said alerting to a blitz resetting the protection at the line of scrimmage and then getting the ball out and making the perfect throw against that blitz i i, I don't know if they're at that stage yet mac is at that stage so maybe Justin Fields, as we knew going into the draft, stronger arm, better athlete, all, all these types of things. But we're seeing why the Patriots drafted Mac Jones in the first round, why we were selling ourselves on Mac Jones as their first round pick. We're seeing that out, out on the field, which is great news. If you're a Patriots fan, that that's, that's all you will really want to see at this, at this point, of training camp.
0: Well, I, can I, like, I'm going to set you up here because you brought up a great point and, and you know where he's compared to the other quarterbacks You had that great stat we were talking about today of not necessarily this year, but how the reps compared to a guy like Patrick Mahomes in his first year. And I'll let you give the information, but it's, it's interesting. I don't think anybody expected Mac to get the reps he's gotten. Like he has the last few days. And you can look at it one of two ways, either. Here we go. He's the guy. They're giving him all the chances because he's, he's the quarterback or they feel like they know what they have in cam Mac Jones is more of an unknown. You only have X number of snaps you can get per day per week, and they just need more time to evaluate Mac Jones. It's like, we're comfortable with what cam is. He can get private work in with the wide receivers and the cornerbacks and build chemistry. We need to take this time to evaluate Mac Jones and see if, and when he'll be ready. There's two ways to take that. I'm, I, i'm really going back and forth on which they are but your stat and i'll let you give the numbers again i think yeah. makes that conversation that much more interesting
1: so i went back and i i didn't accumulate all the stats but i was able to go back and read some stuff out of people that i trust from patrick mahomes as a rookie camp and from jordan loves rookie camp with the packers and then i've also been monitoring a little bit trey lance's situation because i think that those are all comparable situations. I guess in Chicago it's kind of comparable with Andy Dalton, but I I, I don't know. I, I give Cam more respect than I give Andy Dalton. That that that's just me, but I I feel oh, like...
0: absolutely. I, Andy Dalton, well, remember that offseason there who was it? There were three guys. It was Cam, Andy Dalton, and who was the third one? Uh there's a third veteran. This past offseason or two off 2020, seasons? 2020. It was so, a third veteran. James Winston was a free agent. James Winston was the yeah. other one. Yeah. And I remember it was like you know, Cam's interesting because he brings that that new dynamic to the offense. Right, Jameis Winston, maybe there's upside there because Bruce Arians is a bad coach and maybe he ruined him.
1: I Just Andy to
0: Dalton, do I I would not. And I've seen I the reason I'm fired up is I've seen some people make this comparison, like what would have right. happened if the Patriots signed quarterback X instead of Cam in 2020. There was no reason for Andy Dalton to ever come to Foxborough. There was yeah. no reason for that. And yeah, let's be glad he didn't. As as bad as some people may think think things were last year be glad Andy Dalton did not come to Foxborough
1: right so what what I found just really quickly was that Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes rookie camp was the clear cut no questions asked starting quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs he got the vast majority of the one reps with the ones he was repping with starters in 11 on 11 Patrick Mahomes was the clear backup scout team quarterback Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers it was even more so Right, like it was even heavier yeah, yeah. that Aaron Rodgers was getting all those
0: first team reps. Well, then, that's also that that one I put a little asterisk next to just because it was Aaron Rodgers. I yeah, think yeah. If they given Jordan Love too many reps; he would have right. left. Right, But Yes, so, you're right.
1: That's fair. And then the other really, I think, really good situation to sort of compare this to is what's happening right now in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And the other day, I, I, I believe it was on Tuesday, was the only first team reps that Trey Lance has taken all of training camp and all of nine, the Niners beat just went crazy. Like, Oh my God, they're, they're giving Trey Lance run with the starters, right? This is incredible. Like what's going on. Right. And all of those things, you look at that and you look at what they're doing in San Francisco's camp in particular, because I think that that's relevant right now. You look at that and you say, that is totally different from what the Patriots are doing with Mac Jones and Cam Newton, you know, it took Trey Lance six, seven practices to get with, uh, a rep with the ones. Mac was repping with the starters, you know, starting offensive line, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith from day one, even all the way back in minicamp, he was throwing with those guys. So it was a very different sort of, you know, kind of way of going about it. And, and this is a good kind of segue into the reps discussion because I think we can, sit here and sort of break down each individual throw, but without knowing truly the progression read, without watching it back on tape, we're just kind of picking out highlights here and there throughout practice. I think what we can really sink our teeth into is not necessarily completions and completion percentage in training camp practice. I don't really care about all that, but just in terms of raw reps, right? Over the last two days, Mac Jones has almost doubled up Cam Newton in reps, 42 to 24. Yesterday on Wednesday, we saw Mac Jones go through a sequence of 16 straight reps, today he went through a sequence of 13 straight reps and I know a lot of people are going to want to hear about how some of Mac Jones' reps are against the scout team defense and not all of them are against the first team defense and that's definitely true but it's also the case that you're not going to put Dante Hightower and Matt Judon and JC Jackson and Devin McCourty and all those guys out on the field for 13 consecutive reps in training camp right Right. you know you're going to to rotate guys in so Mac is the constant everybody else is sort of rotating around him he's getting those reps so I, the questions i guess that i we can pose here for discussion is one what what do you make of this right do you say sit here and say because this 42 to 24 is what if you go to bucks camp that's what tom brady is outrepping blaine Gabbert by right you know that, that, that's usually what the starters workload is like but that we're not there yet with mac jones so do you see this as mac they feel like Cam is at a good spot and Mac needs the reps, or do you think that Mac is sort of making progress here or gaining
0: ground or however you want to phrase it? See, I, and that's kind of what I said. I'm back and forth on both. I think the other thing is the way that this camp has gone and the way Bill Belichick has operated, doesn't it feel like tomorrow Cam Newton could come out and throw 30 reps and Mac Jones could throw five. And then this no, whole conversations is And it was just, right. yeah, hey, they gave Mac two days to give him two days. And it was a weird thing Bill Belichick did and we'll never know why he did it, but you know, the rest of camp cam out reps, Mac, you know, 70% to 30% or whatever it is. So I, it's real, this goes back to what I said before. It's really important with training camp and it's so hard to do this. And I've been guilty of this. Anybody who's covered camp has been guilty of this because football is a, what have you done for me lately sport? And you want to work with the immediate information you have and you'll acknowledge that some practices mean more than others, but we all want to talk about that last day and say, or, or, you know, today that last practice, right, and say, right. you know, okay, that last practice, I'm going to look at that. And that's what this team's going to be this season. It's so easy to do that and to want to do that, but you just have to keep in mind, okay, we're eight practices in, we have eight more to go. We have different kinds of practices to go. We have, training camp games to go uh not training camp preseason games to go thank you i almost said spring training (laughs) and it's you know we can sit here and analyze reps and maybe that's the pertinent conversation to have right now i don't necessarily think that that's wrong but we're working with the incomplete picture because this isn't going to be the final number and bill belichick knows what the long-term plan is right i We don't know what the long term plan is. These reps are probably part of a bigger picture that we can only see half of right now. So that's why it's so hard to answer that question. Because, yes, if Cam out, if Mac out reps Cam like this for the rest of camp, he's the guy. They're trying to get him the reps to get him up to speed, to get him ready because he's going to play, maybe not week one, but he's going to start 10 plus games this year. Right. If it switches back tomorrow and this was just, you know, the two days of Mac Jones and that's what it goes down as. They wanted to see the kid in the rain. They, you know, maybe they just wanted to let Cam rest his arm a little bit. They just thought these days were a good shot to give him a chance. So I know I'm totally copping out here, and I get accused of being a fence sitter all the time, and that's fine. But we don't have the full picture, so it's very hard to answer the question.
1: So, so the, the the issue though that I have, and I'm going to push back on you this because the issue that I have with saying that this means nothing and and all this stuff is that. All last year long, even all this offseason, I kept on telling myself Cam Newton had no offseason program, he had no OTAs, he had no mini camp. he had no he had abbreviated training camp, not really a real training camp, he had no preseason games, and he had to get ready for his first season in a complex offense with the Patriots with very little preparation right? That, that, that's what right. I kept on telling myself. Like From a better baseline and a better foundation laid in the spring and the summer, then Cam Newton should be a much better quarterback. And we have seen at times in practice, and we're going to talk about Cam in a little bit more detail here in a second, we've seen at times in practice that Cam looks like a much better quarterback. But if the Patriots are sitting there and saying, we need to get Cam reps, we need to get him more comfortable in the offense and everything's going to be fine with him, then why aren't they getting him the more reps? Then why isn't he throwing the football more? Because you can't say on one hand that he stunk last season because he didn't have all of this lead up. He didn't have training camp, he didn't have preseason games. And then watch Cam throw 11 passes in the training camp practice with pads and then barely play in the preseason or whatever. You know what I mean? So at some point, if you really want to make cam better in your system and do what's best for cam having him get out rep double by mac jones is not getting him necessarily ready to start the season so this could change like you said that's the big caveat right next week it could be a much different number in two weeks it could be a much different number we just don't know that yet but from what i've seen right now it looks to me and, and they should be because they drafted mac jones in the first round so this should be the way that it, it is going but it looks to me right now that they rep are getting mac jones more ready than they are getting cam ready for the season and
0: we'll see if it changes right we'll we'll see if it changes so here here could here's the other way that could go too i'll and and we're really mincing words now but i talked about how important the preseason games the joint practices are going to be those are right around the corner preseason opener a week from today. And then from there, it's pretty much joint practices uh, there on out. Are they getting Mac ready for those practices in the right. preseason games? So that, because the thing is, if you don't let Matt prep Mac practice, and then you throw him into the preseason game, he doesn't have the reps. He's not going to be as good. You don't get a full evaluation. So is it, we're going to get Mac ready. So we get a fuller evaluation of him down the road. And then that way we can split it closer down the road. And get camp ready cam ready. So that's you know people are probably losing track of what I'm saying at this point. I feel like I need to draw a diagram. I feel like I'm tra- right. Charlie right. Kelly trying I, to point I, out I'll Pepe the Silvia. and we can and we can right. we, we need to make
1: one of those like, like FBI I, boards, you know, with all the I, different
0: right. but the point I feel I feel like, like that, I'm Charlie Kelly pointing out Pepe Sylvia. The point is like there's a if you really, really want if you're really, really looking for a reason to read into two days of rep totals. Uh, I, you, you probably you're just looking for you know the answer you already want. You're just looking for a reason to support it. You're not letting the data dictate what you believe.
1: Okay, that's fair. But I, I guess when I come back to, and then we're going to move on from the quarterbacks. Is please, I'm dizzy from this.
0: This means this, and this means that.
1: <laughs> okay, what, what what I really feel is that you can't sit here on one hand and say that Cam wasn't comfortable in the system last season because of a lack of reps and then not give him reps. Right? Like you, if, if if he's, if he needs more reps and he needs more time in the system, then he needs more reps and he needs more time in the system. And right now we are seeing them heavily favor giving those reps to Mac over Cam. So I, I just think that that's something that we definitely need to continue to monitor doubling up max reps compared to cam does not tell you that they're trying to get cam more comfortable in the system. And I, I don't want to go whole body language on everybody and who knows what he's dealing with and who knows why, but Cam's press conference today seemed a little bit edgy. Yeah. And he didn't have the best practice. So I think that that's probably more of it than anything else, but it's just stuff to work worth monitoring. Right. It it just, yeah, He just seemed a little bit. Usually, he's very jubilant, you know, very candid with his answers, long-winded with his answers, and and today was not that
0: type of day for Cam. I I agree with that. I wonder, you know, and people are going to laugh when I say this. Bill Belichick's press conference was a little low energy this morning, and people are going to say, "We're in the grind." Belichick, low low energy. We're Uh, in the grind. I, I, you know what, we can read into the body language, and that's totally fair. I think that it was, Hey, we're going to have to go stand out in the rain for three and a half hours. I don't think anybody was looking forward to that. I think it was just kind of one of those days that you want to get through and you want to get over and you want to go home and shower and, you know, put on your pajamas. And uh, you know, if, if that becomes a theme with cam, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Cause you're right. He didn't seem like his usual self today, but I am willing, you know, I, I I'll give him the bend for the doubt. I'll say, sit out in the rain all day. He kind of had to stand around. Cause again, Mac Jones was doing so much, um, you know, if he talks next week, and I think it's supposed to be beautiful next week, if he talks next week after having 30 reps and it's sunny and 85, and he still seems kind of down, then we can maybe dive into a little bit more because then it's a pattern.
1: Okay. That, that That's, that's a solid 30 minutes on the quarterback. So we can move on to the rest of the team. There is other players on the team besides cam and Mac sure. Jones, believe it or not. Sometimes I, I don't think there are sometimes, but yes. So I wanted to talk about the trenches because I think that, Once we get to these – we have a ton of information that we've shared about the receivers, about the tight ends, about the defensive backs because of all these non-padded practices. So I wanted to talk about the trenches, the offensive linemen, and the defensive linemen. I had a few guys that I thought stood out. Alex, I was going to open it up for you to share a few guys that stood out. But I wanted to start with Isaiah Wynn, who just looks fantastic. And I think the biggest thing that I see with Isaiah Wynn – is that his game continues to grow stronger and stronger he was out there today and one-on-ones nobody even came close to beating him in in one-on-ones he absolutely stonewalled Dietrich Wise on one of them I think it was maybe even the first rep of the second session of one-on-ones for the offensive lineman defensive lineman he just absolutely closed the door on Dietrich Wise he's him and Michael Onwenu next to each other have, has been a terrific duo. I would say they've shown out more in camp so far than the, than the right side. Brown, Brown and Jack Mason have, and Isaiah Wynn looks fantastic. We know the Patriots picked up that fifth-year option on him, so he'll be on the team next year. Health is always going to be the question mark with him, but I, I really feel like if he can stay healthy this year, that he's kind of trending towards a breakout season where we start talking about him as a as a top tier higher upper echelon left tackle in the NFL because he just he looks like he is ready to go already and, and is moving extremely well out there.
0: Yeah, I I don't you know, I don't know that anybody's ever doubted Isaiah Wynn's ability. I it's going to come down to can he stay healthy? Here right. I go coughing out again, you know. You know, kind of putting the, the I why am I the wet blanket all of a sudden? Um, I don't know. He's looked great. You're right. He's looked great. If he can if he can stay healthy, I think he's gonna have a great year. And and that, you know, picking up his fifth-year option looks brilliant. He's gotta stay healthy. I will say this, he does look a little bit bigger, and that's muscular. Like, I don't like he didn't just you know eat cakes all offseason. Right. He I I you know he's small. He's not a small guy by any means, but he's probably a smaller guy at the position than you usually see. Oh, yeah.
1: No, he's definitely and He doesn't have the length or the size for a typical left tackle, for sure. Right, and
0: even compared to, like, because, you know, there's two kinds of left tackles. There's the Trent Brown, just big, massive people mover, and then there are, you know, smaller tackles. But even those smaller tackles, is generally smaller in terms of weight, not height. There are guys like, I don't know why, but Andres Pete is the one who always comes to mind. Or a much better example that Patriots fans would know. Nate Solder. Nate Solder is a converted tight end. He he was, he, I think he, was he even 300 pounds? He might've been like 298 at the end. Yeah, I think they enlisted
1: him at like 310. I, the other comparison, just from like a pure arm length and height yeah. standpoint, Matt Light was like roughly in Isaiah Wynn's cat, Matt Light was- with, uh, But Matt
0: Light was, with like Isaiah Wynn, <laughs> even for the lighter tackles, he's short. Yeah, like he's he was taller. a couple inches taller. Matt Light was a couple inches taller, but I think they have right.
1: almost identical arm length. And that was the big thing coming out with Isaiah Wynn is that he was very, very undersized for a tackle in the NFL. That's why a lot of people thought that he was going to move inside the guard. Short, short arms, stocky build. not Doesn't have a tackle build, but he's got great feet. So really, right. he really makes up for it with his foot speed. And he's a really, really smart offensive lineman as well. So he's able to kind of make those things up. Well,
0: so yeah so to go back to what i was saying like isaiah wins small for tackling i've always wondered if that had to do with his durability issues and he puts the weight on which will help but anytime a guy puts weight on there's the risk of okay how does that affect his mobility how does that affect his stamina like you said he doesn't look like he's missed a beat if anything he's gotten better technically yeah so okay he puts the weight on he still has his technical ability that's very encouraging because again if he can stay healthy yeah, he's going to be one of the better offensive tackles in football, I think. And being able to put weight on without losing your technique is not an easy thing to do. It's screwed up many an athlete in many a sport, right? C.C. Sabathia is the guy I always think of. He was pitching at close to 300 pounds, took the weight off, sucked, had to put the weight back on, and then he got good again. Because you learn to play with the certain center of gravity and the certain body right. type, and you lose it. And in some sense, you have to relearn the game. It, early on, it looks like Isaiah Wynn, despite putting that weight on, he's still rock solid, and that's exciting. That's encouraging.
1: Yeah, just great feet, great posture and pass rush. I was just going to say, did you think we talked talk about CeCe
0: Sabathia today?
1: No, I did not. Uh, great feet, great posture, great pad level, great hand usage, great grip strength. I mean, just a really technically sound offensive lineman. That's what they drafted, right? They didn't draft Trent Brown. They didn't draft a six foot six, six foot seven guy that's 380 pounds. They drafted a technician. Isaiah Wynn is definitely a technician. Uh, Michael Onwenu also is, maybe I would say, uh, based off my eyes, the best offensive lineman in camp so far. Uh, he did not lose a single rep in one on ones. He clears the way in the running game consistently. He is now just hitting the ground running from his rookie season. He said he, he gave him a C, right? Himself a C. Last year as a rookie, I think it was, was a letter grade. And that was just ridiculous. But regardless of that, he's going to go.
0: No, he he looks great too. That's all I was going to say. Between him giving himself a C and Kyle Duggar saying he was below average last year. I don't know what they're doing to these guys. Yeah. (laughs) But I'll say this. If Michael Owen, who says he got a C, maybe that was a C. He would know better than us. We all thought he looked good, but maybe he was a C. And if that's a C... I can't wait to uh, to see what it be is. Before we move on, Evan, because I think that was it for the offensive line, right?
1: I, I didn't want to mention David Andrews okay. absolutely pancaked Nick Thurman. Poor Nick Thurman has a family. And David Andrews pancaked him into the ground, then stood over him for like an extra beat or two, and then walked away back into the huddle. It was
0: great. It was a he good a, moment. He had a couple because he pancaked – I uh, might have been yesterday. He pancaked Henry Anderson recently. I yeah. don't remember I mean, if it was today or yesterday, but he's he's piling those up. The reason I brought that up is before we move on, do you want to do 30 seconds on Yanika Juice? Somebody asked about Yanika Juice. It's been a rough start to camp for Yannicka Juice, but
1: I will say that this is the first time that he has been in pads, in contact, I think in two years. So that obviously, right. yeah, obviously he was going to be slower to build up than a lot of players. Justin Heron has looked pretty good. And I think that that's kind of safe to say that he's sort of your fourth tackle assuming on when he's kind of the third tackle right if they if they get right. an injury to Winter brown then on when he's kicking outside i i think we can all see that so justin haran is really the depth tackle on the team i cory cunningham and Yadi could rj prince forget about it he's he's not making the roster but Yadi could and Corey cunningham have had a rough start to camp so i talked about this the other day that i sort of felt like uh, you know, behind Heron, I guess if you want to count on Wenu as a as a reserve tackle as well, the fifth, sixth, seven, those guys are that. That's it. Really drops off, and I don't think this is a Patriots problem. I think this is an NFL problem that uh, the depth along offensive lines across the league has just sort of completely deteriorated across right. the board. And having good two good starting tackles is hard enough. Having three or four good tackles is almost next to impossible.
0: Yeah, and I mean that I actually agree with you. I hadn't thought about that, but you're probably right. There has been a little bit of uh, less of an influx of talent. It happens. We're coming out of a cycle, I think, where that was true with the cornerback position. Yeah, it's starting to increase a lot more now.
1: A lot about the rules and and the way that these practices are set up and the lack of pads and the lack of real development for offensive linemen in the NFL because there's just not enough reps to go around and pad right. to really build up some of these guys. Like a guy like could Kajus like really needed some sort of a development program. You know, he needed some, like a, like a, a spring league or something like that to, to get, to get some live reps. You know, uh, I, I think that players like that might have a better chance of at least becoming good backups in the NFL if there was just more reps to go around, but there just isn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of it too is it's cyclical. You go through periods where certain positions. Sometimes you go through periods where there's just a ton of good players at a position, right. and it devalues the position because there's an excess of good players. Uh, I we might be in one of those, honestly, right now with wide receivers. But oh yeah, know, the wide
1: receivers are crazy. So,
0: but you know, tackles kind of are? one right now. I think we're coming out yeah. of a cycle where it, the last five or six years. I'm not saying that there were no good corners, but the number of elite corners was probably a little bit lower than it had been for the previous seven or eight year span. Uh, we even went through a spell with quarterbacks there. What was it? There were like four or five years in a row. Oh yeah. That, well, like, first, early, like None of the first round quarterbacks got a second deal with their team.
1: Their early 2010s with like the Blaine Gabbert's and the yeah. Jake Walkers. And it, that was a really so, tough period of time.
0: It, it, it's funny you brought that up. Cause I think about that, how that works from time to time. We're like, you know, we just assume that, okay, because there's 32 teams, there's 32 starting quarterbacks, there's 32 number one corners, there's 32 left tackles, et cetera. And that's not always the case. You know, no. there's, I, I truly believe this. There's less than 32 people on the planet who can play quarterback at the NFL level. And when there's 32 teams, that creates an interesting dynamic. And I don't know, at least in our lifetime, in recent memory, I don't know that we've been through an offensive line shortage, certainly not a tackle shortage. I think there was a center shortage you know, in the early two thousands, but I don't know that we've ever been through an offensive line shortage. And that could look, I know this is big picture. We're trying to talk about camp, but I am actually really curious what you think about this. We could be headed for an offensive line shortage. And if that's the case with defensive fronts, as good as they are right now, it could be really interesting for a league that for the last five or six years has trended heavily offense and heavily towards the passing game. It could change the NFL a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really an issue, and I know that guys like that know way more about offensive line play than I do, like uh, Duke Mannyweather or or uh, Josh Schwartz and, and people like that that have really been behind O-line masterminds. I, I don't know if you know what that is, Alex, but it happens every offseason. All the big-time offensive linemen, both college and NFL guys, they all get together at a summit, and they just talk O-line play, right? Techniques, you know, different things, different training methods, and they've really tried to help kind of just help the O-line community in the in both the NFL and then the up-and-comers in college like for example I know not this past year but I, I don't remember exactly who was there this past year out of college but the year before that guys like Creed Humphrey for example was at O-line Masterminds as a, as a college guy you know and guys that were going to be top players so the O-line community I feel like it, is recognizing that the NFL is not doing enough on its own to develop these guys. You know, they're not giving them enough live reps. They're not giving them enough contact reps. They're not giving them enough time in the facility and on the practice field because – Offensive line play, and and Carmen Brasillo talked about this, Dante Skanecchia talks about it all the time. It's all about fundamentals, right? And the only way to get better at fundamentals is consistently drill them time in and time out. And if you're not drilling them in pads and you're not actually making contact with anybody or anything, it's really difficult to really sharpen the the, the iron there. So that, I think that they're trying it from an outside perspective to get better there. But it, it is definitely something that – uh a lot of people are paying attention to all right let, let's get back to the camp stuff though uh, let, let's talk about the de- defensive line uh and, you know pass rush guys and one-on-ones and things like that um i did want to talk about carl davis who i think had i, I had him down for four wins and one-on-ones which is very impressive and he's somebody that also had pretty solid tape last year he only played three games for the patriots he got hurt right away but he put together some pretty good tape in those three games and had some good moments he's had some good reps in one-on-ones he was pretty good in that inside six drill that they were doing early on in practice when they were doing that run game stuff and we can talk a little bit about that more in in a second as well but Carl Davis it was what if we're gonna get into the sleepers right you know Guy, Godshaw, Wise, uh, Barmore wasn't out there today but we're getting into some guys on the bubble that might potentially be able to make the roster Carl Davis is one player that I think has had a nice camp and, and has a chance
0: yeah, I, I, he's he's certainly popped up a couple times, and he's a guy that I thought played well last year when he did. He had yeah. some concussion issues. He and, was the
1: best ta- nose tackle that they had last year, yeah. I would say.
0: And, but he only he played what like three games because they claimed yeah. him halfway through the season. Then yeah, he had COVID. Games. He had COVID, and then he had he had like two or three concussions. There might have been a foot injury in there too. So he no he he was a good player last year. I do I was excited when they brought him back. I do think they brought him back with a purpose. I don't think he was just you know. Yeah, body they were bringing back. It's you know, it's tough because that position looks like it's going to be so stacked. With yeah, Devon Godshaw has been quietly, I think, one of the best defensive players in camp. I Christian Barmore, I it's been one practice because he didn't practice today, so you know I don't want to say that he's been great, but that one practice was unbelievable. He might have been the best player on the field, and then you still have Lawrence Guy, who you know they just paid, and he's going to factor in there as well. So. Is Carl Davis going to be one of the 53 best players on the team? Yeah, I, I think that there's a chance he could be. Does he make the 53-man roster? It's, you know, are you going to, kind of like we've talked about with Nikhil Harry, are you going to keep a fifth or a sixth wide receiver in a 12-personnel offense? The numbers just don't dictate that. Are you going to keep four defensive tackles? <clears throat> Sorry. Are you going to keep three, four defensive tackles in a 3-4 defense? The numbers don't exactly dictate that either. So, I'd like to see him stick. He's a good player, but does that roster spot? You know, if he's a wash with a guy like Rashad Berry, who's been great to start camp and had another yeah. good day today, would you rather keep the extra linebacker when you're going to play more linebackers than defensive tackles?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I was going to bring up Rashad Berry in a second. I just I like Carl Davis's skill set. He's guy's six foot six. He's three hundred and twenty He's huge. He's a big guy, right? And he's got good athleticism and what I would call lateral mobility, right? The ability to move side to side quickly, which is a lot better – at that position is what's most important, right? You're not, you're not running a 40 as a, as a defensive tackle in the NFL. So how you move side to side, I think is really important. And if you can shift and change gears is very important. He he has looked good. I, I wanted to bring up Rashad Barry because you keep on pointing out Rashad Barry to me. I keep on dismissing you. Maybe I should stop doing that Uh today. He, RJ Prince has had a really rough camp. He's not going to make the Patriots roster, but Rashad Berry had a clean, decisive win against him today in Uh, one-on-ones. It was speed to power. And that was the one thing that watching Rashad Berry in college, it was Ohio State, right? I'm blanking, but I think it was Ohio State. State. So Rashad Berry repped at Ohio State at both linebacker and tight end. The Patriots brought him in as sort of a, we'll figure it out type of player as a UDFA. He Whenever he played linebacker and rushed the passer at Ohio State, speed to power was his go-to move, and it really popped. It has really popped so far in camp as well. He's got a very nice kind of first step and ability to get low and, and blow guys off the ball and backwards. Did it today to R.J. Prince pretty decisively in one-on-ones. So he's somebody's having a nice camp. As you pointed out, that he's played, uh, been involved a lot with the special teams guys as well, uh, working with Slater and and those uh, that group during positional drills. So he's somebody, and especially if a guy like Chase Winovich is on PUP to start the season, he's definitely somebody that could be involved here.
0: Yeah, I, I I certainly think so. And Therese Hall's another guy who, who's on PUP, who maybe opens up a spot for Barry. You know, I, I, I keep saying I want to put stock in who's working with the special teams. And you should, we absolutely should. We should, people should do that. But not everybody who works with the special teams is going to make the team. So you do kind of have to sift through it. And Rashad, barry has been good on defense too. And that's that's the differentiator. He looks like he might have some upside as a situational pass rusher. I don't know that he gets there this year. You know, I'm not taking snaps away from Matthew Judon to put him in the game. I'm not taking right. snaps away from Josh Uche to put Rashad Berry in the game. But sometimes guys take three or four years to, 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 to really reach their potential. And he's a guy that, you know, I think deserves a longer look. I think deserves a longer look than just three weeks of training camp. And if he keeps performing this way and, and he shows up in the, the joint practices and the preseason games, he's not going to make it to the practice squad. If he comes out and he's playing shot out of a cannon like he has so far in camp, somebody's yeah. going to claim him and put him on their 53. Some team's going to be thin at linebacker and and think that, you know, this guy can play special teams. He has upside. Let's grab him. So it's a tough decision. And sometimes you have to cut those guys. Austin Carr is the ultimate one. Austin right. Carr did enough to make the Patriots 53-man roster. When it, what was that, 17? Whenever that was. Yeah. Uh, Austin, Austin Carr did enough to make the team that year. There was too much depth ahead of him. And he just wasn't quite ready yet to make an impact and they couldn't get him to the practice squad. So that happens, but Rashad Berry is, is doing what he needs to do right now.
1: Yeah. And uh, the other guy that I'll I'll quickly mention, I know that the people want to hear about the rookies in in particular, Ronnie Perkins has had some good moments the last uh, couple of practices, I would say. And again, I, I think a lot of this has to be taken with a grain of salt with Ronnie Perkins because he is going up against that backup tackle crew uh of our you know, guys like RJ Prince, uh Corey Cunningham, Yadni Kajus. Those guys are having a lot of trouble with some of these guys that they're putting up against on the other side of the ball. But I have seen Ronnie Perkins pop a few times. I think that's good uh news for the Patriots as we as we move forward here. He's been working with the outside linebackers as well. So there's another one of those guys at that at that spot, you know, at that edge outside linebacker stand-up pass rusher kind of position so there's a lot of bodies there it's going to be tough to to get through all of those guys um if i'm chase winovich i'm definitely getting back on the field asap you know if you want to be a patriot and obviously he's not going to get cut but uh, a trade or a candidate to remain on pup all those types of things so um, is there anybody else in the offensive? I think we pretty much just went
0: through the whole roster and mentioned at least everybody at one time, <laughs> well, which is what, I, I, what the goal I was. Do want, Yeah. I do want to say about Ronnie Perkins, Um, he, his best moment, not that he hasn't had good moments on the field, but his best moment I think was on Twitter yesterday. And I oh. talked to Jerry Thornton about this on, on the uh, 98 to five, the sports of Patriots training camp recap podcast, working on a shorter name <clears throat> to see, you know, I, I think Personal. guys who, I, yeah, I think guys who come in and, and truly embrace the patriot way. I know that sounds cheesy, but guys who do that tend to work out more so than the guys who don't. And he tweeted a picture of himself talking to Teddy Bruski. Some the caption was something about like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants or something. Right. And it wasn't just you know posting to social media for clout. He was standing on the field talking to Teddy Bruski mm-hmm. for five ten minutes. You could see them working through like technique or something and. That, that stands out to me. If he's going to take something from Teddy Bruschi and add it to his toolbox, that's noteworthy. That We'll see if he can actually do it and make it work on the field, but he now has that. He now has that in his toolbox. That stands out to me. So if you're somebody who's you know an Oklahoma fan, whatever, you're rooting for Ronnie Perkins to make the team, that's a moment you can point to and say, you know, he's doing what he needs to do. And I, I feel like I've used that phrase a ton this last week. So you know, he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. The the joint practices in the preseason games decide. I'm a broken record. The 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 joint practices in the preseason games decide a lot of this. To me, these practices here, and Bill's talked about this. These practices are almost prep for that. They're getting you prepared for the joint practices, they're getting you prepared for the preseason. So I don't know, you know, head to head in a position battle, how much ground a guy how much ground a guy can gain in this setting. But what he can do is build that base and build that foundation so he can gain ground when it matters once you get to those joint practices. So I look at Ronnie Perkins, both the tweet and everything he's done on the field. I don't know that he's shot himself up the depth chart, but he's done everything he needs to do to put himself in a position to move himself up the death chart once you get into those joint practices. So that's where I look at Ronnie Perkins right now. He's a guy that's building a strong foundation. That's what you want the rookies to do. And to me, he's, he's done that to this point.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. And the other guy that I wanted to mention before we sign off here is Johnny Smith, who I just thought had a, a really great practice today, doing everything that has advertised with Johnny Smith, right? Blocking, catching the ball uh, catching the ball at all three levels of the defense moving around the formation and i mentioned that inside six drill which is basically just the five offensive linemen plus the tight end against six guys on the defense front right so it's basically like an inverse of seven on seven and in that drill you get really competitive hard nose run game actions and johnny smith On one of the first reps of the practice, actually, competitive reps, he took Josh Uche and he just threw him right out the club. That's what I tweeted, right? He he walked him right into the parking lot. It was just textbook feet, then hands, pad level down, and just get him and go. And it was such a good rep by John. It, It also opened up a tractor-trailer-sized hole on the left side for for Damian Harris to run through. But it was such a good rep that even Josh Uche was clapping his hands. Like, good job. <laughs> like, you got me. Good job. Great rep. Later on in practice, he said uh, he caught a... Pass along the sideline with Kyle Duggar, which was probably Cam's best throw of the practice. Uh, Laid it out there nicely for him on the sideline, reached outside his body, plucked it. We've seen his catch and run skills a bunch of times, whether it's passes coming sort of at motion or out of the backfield, kind of like a screen, or shallow crossers across the middle of the field. Uh, He's done a little bit of everything. He blocks his butt off. He's going to be a really good player for the Patriots, and uh, today we kind of saw all of it come together, I would say.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. I I, I think he hit it. I will say I will bring up another point because you said, is there anybody else we should touch on? Somebody mentioned it in the chat. The run game. We talked the other day. Would have been it would have been Tuesday that. Ramondre Stevenson hit Miles Bryant, which is a heck of a truck stick. Right? Yeah,
1: he got him back. Yeah. Miles Bryant
0: got him back there Got him back yeah. twice. twice. He, yeah. He, he stuck him twice. And Miles Bryant's not a huge guy. What you had the numbers like is 60 pounds on him, right?
1: 50 pounds. Yeah. 48 to be exact. 48 That's pounds and probably, about measurements.
0: Yeah. Right. and probably about three inches, too. And, and, and Miles Bryant stuck him. And to play safety in New England, even if you're going to be that deep safety, you've got to be willing to come up and hit. You yeah. have to show your willing to step up in the run game. And Miles Bryant, a smaller guy, a former cornerback, is somebody who, you know, you can you can question that because that's never been his game. That's never something he's needed to do. What's he going to look like doing that? Message, message received. Yeah. He's willing to come up and hit. So that's a big, uh, I, I thought that that was a really good moment for Miles Bryant. He's had a good camp overall, but. That was a really good moment for Miles Bryant today. He's Two in really, a really good moments. He got a really
1: interesting spot. I think Miles Bryant is a player that yeah. I, I want to continue to watch. Unfortunately, sometimes, and we talked about this I think the other day, maybe we're off the show, but the forest through the trees, right? You got to look at the for right. the forest is the quarterback competition and what's happening at the top of the roster, but the trees are guys like Miles Bryant who right now is in team drills repping mostly with the scout team defense because the starting defense has Jonathan Jones, Jalen Mills, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, you know, all these players that are those sort of hybrid safety corner, slot corner type of guys. So those guys are going to play over the slot and, and cover receivers or they're going to cover tight ends. That's kind of miles Bryant's role. So I, I kind of hope uh, I'm hoping that miles Bryant is not going to be, one of these odd men out just from a pure numbers standpoint because of all these other guys that they have on the team. Cause he's a, he's a good football player and he's going to play in the league uh, for a while. I think, But when you look at sort of the depth in front of him, he's had a tough time even in training camp, I would say, to get reps with the ones because of the four guys that I just mentioned, Jones, Duggar, Phillips, and uh, Jalen Mills. You know, those guys all kind of overlap a little bit. Is there enough room on the roster for five of them? Right. And I guess it kind of depends on how Bill Belichick views Guys like Miles Bryant and guys like Jalen are those safeties? Are they corners? Are they DBs? You know, how, how do you kind of make that number game work? But I just I have noticed that Miles Bryant, who's had a nice camp, like you said, and had some good moments, has really been repping mostly with the scout team defense.
0: Yeah, and, and that could be something too. Like you said, it's the numbers. Are there enough reps for him? But right. He, He can only, he can only do with what he's given. He can't just run out there when the first team defense is out there and start playing and be the 12th guy on defense. And I think, I think there is an understanding of that. You know, I think some people look at camp and hear a guy's on the second team or is on the scout team. And it's just, Oh, that's where he is. You know, that that's what it is. I think that there's a recognition from the coaching staff that, yeah, this guy was on the scout team, but look, he played incredible. He played incredibly well. And We'll see, you know, down the road, you'd like to think that they reward him with some more first team or, or, or second team reps, and I think they will. He's played like he should get those reps, but if not, I don't think that they'll totally write him off. You, you do have to consider competition. You do. But that doesn't mean you totally have to write off what somebody does because of the competition either. Reps against the scout team, you can still learn something from that. You don't just throw them out.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And he's gone up in against Gunnar Olszewski a few times, and they've had some really good battles, uh, which is nice to see. Uh, some people in the chat asking about Trey Nixon. We talked about Trey Nixon a little bit yesterday, right? Or I don't know. These days are starting to, to melt together on me. I think it was yesterday uh, talking about him playing more as kind of that, uh, you know, shifty slot receiver type than necessarily a vertical, uh, guy on the outside. So that's something to look for with Trey Nixon. Uh, Jakob Johnson are our, our, our Germany fans. I'm just going through some of the players that maybe we didn't uh, hit on. We can do a show at some point where we just allow you guys to rapid fire put names in the chat and we'll just rattle off our takes on every single player that you guys want to talk about. I uh, not a I thought it would be a bigger Jakob Johnson day today. Not 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 a huge Jakob Johnson day, uh, but he's definitely not done anything to you know lose his job or anything like that, you know, or it's really going to come down to sort of a numbers thing. I, I would say with him and, and, and a stylistic thing more is more show what I should right. say. Um, tomorrow night, Alex, uh, in stadium practice, uh, six o'clock.
0: That's what we need to talk about from today's practice. Can I have a minute here? Because Nick Folk was not at practice. Nick Folk was not at practice. We got our first extended look at Quinn Nordine. What'd you think? Six for eight. He did clank one in. He had a kick block by Matthew Judon, which by the way, Matthew Judon with the kick block, have a camp. Nice. Here's Matthew Judon. He's been excellent. Um, I wasn't wowed. We know what the leg power is, and it was on display, but the accuracy's got to come along. That being said, he's getting better. I think he's getting better. He was really all over the place when camp started and in the spring. And now, you know, it either goes through or it doesn't. Close only counts in horseshoes. But he is reining it in a little bit, and that's encouraging. So you know, we'll see tomorrow. We'll see if Nick Folk's back tomorrow. Whatever the case may be, but uh, we're gonna get a good look at. We're gonna get, I think, our best look at Nord. We had a good look at Nordine today. We're gonna get our best look at him so far tomorrow.
1: Yes. So tomorrow night, season ticket holders, Foxborough residents. I'm I'm pretty sure that's still what it is, even in in these COVID times.
0: and then general public on Tuesday.
1: Tuesday. Yeah, so we're going to have two more in-stadium practices. Uh, Alex and I will be back on the show uh, probably either on Saturday or Sunday, I would say, Uh, definitely Monday at the latest to break down what we see uh, the Patriot schedule just to lay it out for you guys. Friday, tomorrow night's in-stadium practice. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of next week are uh, more practices down at Gillette. Um, Tuesday, as Alex mentioned, I think is another in-stadium one and then the preseason game first preseason game against the Washington football team a week from tonight I can't believe it that's actually right around the corner so we will have you completely covered here on Patriots beat we're going to keep doing these shows after practice pretty much every single day around this time 5 4 5 o'clock basically whenever Alex and I get home from Gillette is when we usually go on the air so between four thirty and 5 o'clock you can come and uh, check that out Probably Sunday, probably Monday, probably Tuesday, and and we'll lead you all the way through until the regular season and beyond. So, uh, thanks so much for watching, everybody. We'll be back shortly. I don't, we don't know exactly when. We got we got to figure that out. But we're. I'm still going to
0: try to make you do a show tomorrow night.
1: I know you are. I know you are. Well, maybe we will. Maybe we'll. we'll I'm saying on. last
0: time you didn't want to do a show, we did it and it had great numbers. That's fair. Like nobody's going to watch on Sunday, and we had a bunch of people who watched live for the first time, which is awesome. That's so. true.
1: We really do appreciate everybody that uh, is watching and and continues to watch, and the people that participate in the chat and all those things. So uh, we will be back this weekend. Let's put it that way. We'll be put it. We'll be back this weekend to break down tomorrow night's practice, to break down Sunday's practice and beyond, and uh, then preseason games, joint practices. Keep it right here, Patriots Beat Podcast for Alex Barth and Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.